0: Merry Christmas. It's Christmas Day 2023. So happy holidays to all my listeners. And thank you so much for supporting me throughout this year. I wish you all the blessings of the season from me, Heather Masters, and all the team at the Choosing Happy podcast. This is episode 52, where I got to chat with a wonderful lady, Samantha Dawkins, all about her journey to finding happy. To finding the work she loves and how she makes a difference in the world of therapists. And she shares her wisdom on how to overcome mental challenges that can stop us from succeeding in life and business. All this and more in this week's Choosing Happy Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's Choosing Happy podcast, where I have the great pleasure of chatting with Samantha Dawkins. Samantha's a coach, social media manager, support worker, and is passionate about mental health and is a mental health advocate. She specializes in helping therapists show up authentically with confidence online. Welcome, Samantha.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so happy to be here.
0: I'm so happy to to be talking to you today. I love what you do, and could you begin by telling us a little bit about your journey and how you found your passion? So, thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. So, so as you've already said,
1: I'm um, quite multi passionate in what I do now. I'm primarily a social media manager, but I'm also a support worker and I'm a coach as well. And really, my sort of business journey starts kind of at the end of 2018, the beginning of 2019, when I left the corporate world. So I was actually an executive assistant in the software industry, the managing directors, before starting my own business. And as you can imagine, that's a very male-dominated space. It's a very technical space. And I just found myself in a place with my well-being. That that wasn't great. I wasn't happy in my my roles there. And I really wanted to move on to something that, um, that I could feel passionate about and excited about and that really lit me up and that could have a positive impact. So at the beginning of 2019, I started my business, Koala VA. Interestingly, when I first started, I thought my niche would be working with recruiters. That's um, an industry that I'd worked with in, in my previous company before so I thought that makes sense I know what recruiters need and want I've got plenty of recruiters in my network so it just felt like a natural sort of space to start but I very quickly realized this isn't you know this isn't what I want to be to be focusing on you know I need to really carve out a space that has some real meaning um, Mm -hmm. for me and for the people that I'm working with and so I did a lot of soul searching. <laughs> I did a lot of thinking. I did a lot of uh, back and back and forth. And I came to the conclusion that the space that I really, really wanted to work in was mental health. Now I'm a huge mental health advocate myself. As you mentioned, I've had a real sort of mental health journey throughout my life. I've personally benefited from, from therapy. And so I thought, what better way to combine, you know, <laughs> that the, something I'm passionate about with the skills that I can bring. So that was the niche that I decided to work with. Originally, when I set up my business, I was a virtual assistant. So I was helping with everything from calendar management to emails to, you know, setting up things on websites. And it very quickly I very quickly found that what was being asked from my clients was help with showing up really and getting visible in their social media. And that was really transformative to me. That happened very early on in my business, but it was so transformative because I realized that I could have a direct impact then in helping them to share their message with the people who really need them, to help people who need help like I did. Um yeah to, to find the right therapist for
0: them. So that was a real, a really important moment for me in my business. Excellent. Just, um, going back to the niche and, and that you're helping therapists show up, is there that element of them having their own issues, their own sort of mental health blocks about showing up, about being visible?
1: Absolutely. Yes. And that's that's one of the things that I work with a lot. In fact, almost every single client I work with has some blocker when it comes to showing up, whether it's a personal blocker or a professional one, when it comes to showing up and getting visible online and on social media. Obviously, when it comes to the mental health profession, there are, you know, ethical boundaries that that you have to take into consideration. But beyond that, there's there's a real sort of mindset issue around actually being seen, um, actually being perceived by, you know, by an audience and by yeah. potential um, clients about comparing themselves to other people online. So yeah, all of those blockers really come into play. And that's, that's something I'm really passionate about helping clients with helping them show up as their authentic self. That's yeah. the first step, really. You know, really getting to who they are and who they, uh, how they want to, uh, to show up online, and then also with confidence as well. And and obviously that comes with you know practice. Practice makes perfect, and it comes with having to do things before sure you're sort of entirely ready or comfortable and just clicking that post button. Uh, But yes, I really go through a journey with a lot of my clients from going from this space from literally not even wanting to have their own, a photo of themselves as their profile picture and just having a logo all the way through to, you know, creating, talking head videos, reels and, and things like that and talking directly to the camera. And that's such a wonderful journey to to be a part of to see my clients go from sort of hiding and and really not being confident in in showing up or how they should show up to you know really sharing themselves with
0: the world and and with their potential clients so you're describing the journey is there any tips that you could share with us if someone is in that position where they can maybe get started? Maybe they they haven't got a, a photo up there. They hate selfies. They don't feel comfortable with their own vice. Are there any? Absolutely. Don't... Yes.
1: Yes, definitely some tips. So I think one of the biggest tips that I would have to share is to focus on your own lane. (laughs) So I think when we're online and we're seeing other business owners, we are seeing the very highlights of of what they're wanting to share. They're sharing their best takes of videos. They're sharing, you know, just just the things that they are happy to share. And they're not sharing everything that they go through to get to where they are. So I think the first thing is to stop looking around and, and, and seeing, you know, and comparing yourself to other therapists. And to just focus on yourself and to really get into the mindset of who do I want to be for my business? Who do I want to show up as for my potential clients? And that really is going to involve sort of biting the bullet sometimes and accepting that it's a case of progress over perfection. It doesn't have to be the very best, most professional headshot before you can share your photo um, on social media. So it's about removing all of these lockers that we think, you know, these things we have to do before we can take that next step and just doing things that are imperfect, that are, you know, that are a step in the right direction. So I would say the first thing would be if you don't have a photo as your profile picture, take a photo, any photo, just make sure you've got a nice, you know, sort of clear um, background behind you just a photo of your face maybe your shoulders and just set it as your profile picture and that will actually that alone can have absolute you know work absolute wonders on your um on your presence because it means that anyone who finds you can put the face to the name straight away if they see your lovely smiley face they won't care if it is a photo that you've taken that your husband's taken or that a professional photographer has taken all your potential clients and, and your audience want to see is that there's a person behind the brand and then really it is a case of practice makes perfect so again it's it's continuing to move through that discomfort as you go that slight you know that slight discomfort if it means that you need to take loads of photos or, or take a few sort of video recordings that's absolutely fine. You know, you can get to that point however you need to and you can put that work in and, and start showing up. But really it is about getting comfortable with being that little bit uncomfortable
0: and being ready to push yourself just out of that comfort zone just a little bit. There's a phrase which I don't particularly like, but do you ever use the, the fake it till you make it? So for that you're kind of living into the the person you want to be, the identity you want to be. Yeah, so you know, you're getting uncomfortable and coming from that mindset.
1: I think, yeah, I I feel a little un- uncomfortable with that phrase as well. Um, not because I I don't like what it can what it can mean, um, you know, and and that you can sort of step into it over time, but more that it's this idea that you're kind of faking anything to start with, because really, when you're getting visible. It is about being vulnerable. It's, it's more about being yourself than anything, yeah. really. So although I get the concept of, you know, kind of acting the role until you feel comfortable in the role, it's never something that I i don't think I've ever really said it to any clients. I don't think I've ever mm. shared that as, as a piece of advice, but definitely show up as the person you want to be and the
0: person you are for your audience and, and for your client. And this concept of, I think, when we're showing up online for the first time, there's a l- lot of fear there and uncomfortable about making mistakes. We we go into perfectionist mode. Mm, um, yeah, and I personally love the fact that um, mistakes are our lessons. Do you want to to explain a little bit more about absolutely, that? Absolutely, absolutely, and especially in the world of social media, I think because. The very
1: nature of social media, being as, you know, being as it is, is that it's, we're constantly testing and tweaking things as we go and we're constantly learning. That's one of the, the key parts of, of what I do as a social media manager is checking this, you know, what worked well, what didn't work well, what can we improve on? So I think that's, that's something that I always live by, really. But I do know that the idea of things have to be perfect before you can, before you can get anywhere is can be a real blocker for people so i think really it is accepting that you are going to be that little bit uncomfortable that you're the you're the only one really that knows sort of exactly how you feel about your content and so to the people reading it they won't know that you think that you know you felt sort of uncomfortable with that or that it wasn't perfect so it's all about taking those baby steps having that sort of brave moment and once you've done it once or a few times it becomes so much easier to keep doing it and then as you go you'll learn you know what felt good for me what felt not so good what worked well what's resonated what really lit me up as a content creator because that's exactly what you are when you're when you're sharing content on social media so so yeah I would say that uh that's a that's a really important element that you are seeing it as the opportunity to learn and test and tweak
0: and grow um grow as you go and kind of expanding on that the critical mind because i know i've got a very critical mind can stop me from putting out content and can be a foundation for for many mental health problems right. are there any tips you give your clients for dealing with that internal negative chatter
1: it's a big one isn't it it's a big mm. one that that sort of internal negative chapter and I think that really it's a it's a case of going from the from the acknowledging the space that you're in when you're starting out and acknowledging mm. that you that you might have that negative chatter but that it not It doesn't define you. It doesn't define you as a professional. It doesn't define you as a content creator. And and just, as I've said, taking that step to go beyond, get that little bit uncomfortable with it, and then just see what what really opens up to you. And I do find, you know, I I remember when I first started out in my business, before I was a fully-fledged social media manager, I saw all of these other business owners around me when I started in my business, the sort of notion and the aesthetic of being a boss babe was really big, you know, really <laughs> know. sort of pink and, um, and excited and loud and really put together and completely flawless. So that's who I was seeing in my space and that's who I was comparing mm-hmm. myself to. And I think that it's the comparison to others that really gets that negative chatter going because you're constantly feeling like you are behind um, someone else who's on their who's on their own journey so it really does come back to not comparing yourself to others and allowing yourself every time you show up to get that little bit more comfortable with your authentic self with sharing yourself online and and showing up that way. And I get very, luckily, you know, I can say now, if you're someone who has that negative chatter, and if you're at the beginning of that journey, and if you're really uncomfortable, that is exactly where I was when I started. Full of negative chatter, really self-conscious. The idea of even having a Zoom video call with a client, it was unthinkable. You know, I I couldn't do it. It was only a phone call. So the idea of getting on video, not just with one person, but sharing it with you know, the world was, I couldn't, couldn't even think about it. I would have never expected it. And honestly, as someone who for their whole life has struggled with confidence and self-esteem and, you know, feeling like I couldn't be who I really am and, and trying to compare myself with others, to go mm-hmm. from there to where I am today, I would have never been able to imagine it. That person back then would have said, no, you're crazy. It's, it's not possible. It can't be done. But if I know it's a cliche, but if I can do it, honestly, absolutely anyone can do it. It's that case of showing up for yourself every single day Um, and really putting in the work for yourself. Because beyond my business, it's just worked wonders in my life as well. And in my confidence overall, I'm a much more confident person for all of those tiny, tiny little baby steps that I took along the way, even though I was scared. Even though I was, you know, feeling that adrenaline while I was doing it, it really has worked wonders.
0: So how do you get yourself started in a mindset of where you're willing to take those baby steps first? Yeah, I mean that's that's the question, isn't it? I think
1: I think as as therapists know, they, they are very capable of of doing that work and doing that inner work. So I think the first thing we really have to do is acknowledge that it's holding us back and stop sort of making those excuses and, oh, I will do it tomorrow. It's easier to think, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll start on Monday. I'll start at the beginning of 2024 because that's, that's lovely and fresh and I'll be ready for it then. So it's really around working with that mindset of if not now, when realistically. So if you're thinking about doing it, it's a case of putting all of that aside and just do it. Do it today if you need to. Like I said, post that profile picture today. The world is definitely not going to end, but it could get a lot, uh, a lot better for it. So it really is just doing that, that inner work and just accepting that that's, there's that tiny moment of discomfort that really will open up so many opportunities and so much growth but also I know you know I worked with my own therapist around being myself you know yeah. and and showing up in my life as myself which is such a strange concept but I think so many of us are kind of just showing up as the person that they think other people sort of want or need them to be and we're kind of hidden behind that that mask yeah. so I really worked on that with my therapist of showing up as myself. And I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to work with your own therapist, to work with your supervisor, you know, in a, in a Mm. business sense as well, maybe even with a coach, someone like myself, you know, just get on a call, have that chat. Give yourself, you know, have that person who can act as your accountability partner and, and who can really be your cheerleader as well. Because I think having that support and having that little bit of guidance right at the very beginning
0: makes a, makes a real difference than trying to do it on your own. Yeah, that, that was actually going to be my next question because I, I do get a sense that there are a lot of us who don't even know who our authentic self Is because we've hidden for so long and there's so much conditioning on that. Absolutely. Um, So so you deal with that within your coaching? I do, yes.
1: So I'm actually relatively new to the world of coaching. It's something that, again, like when I first started working as a social media manager, it came from you know, clients that I was already working with saying, this is what I really need from you. And that's what I love to work with. I love to be right. responsive to to how I can best help my clients. Um, and, and one of the issues that, you know, people kept coming to me with was this idea of how do I show up? How do I get confident? How do I share my authentic self when I'm worried about these sort of personal and professional blockers? So that is something that I work with. Uh, yeah you know pretty much every client like i said i i do work with that sort of finding your authentic self and your authentic voice and one of the biggest tips that i that i tend to give when it comes to when it comes to social media in general and a lot of how you're going to communicate is going to come through what you write especially in those early days if you aren't going to get on video because you don't feel comfortable doing that it's going to come through your words and i think again the comparison sort of comes in how do other people write how should I write but I like to give my clients an exercise and I suppose it's a little bit like journaling in in a sense where they pick something that they actually want to write about that they want to share and they write it and then they read it and they think you know have a read through it is this how I actually talk you know if you were to meet me face to face is this how I would explain this to you and to just work through that. And you can also get other other people to read it for you if you feel comfortable with that. You could get your partner, your friends, your colleagues, your supervisor to read it for you and and give you that feedback of, does this really sound like me or am I just putting a spin on it that I want, you know, that I yeah. want people to to sort of perceive it a certain way. And just going through that process and really stripping it back. Posting as you go, obviously, you know it doesn't have to be perfect, but that's a that's a great exercise to help you really find your your unique voice in a in a very
0: noisy space. Yes, it is very noisy. How how do you help people um, within the social media once they've got their voice? How do you help them grow their visibility? So
1: there's so many things involved when it comes to getting visible on. Social media, obviously, making sure that you have your voice is is a really big one because that's actually going to be what's going to help you stand out ultimately when people are seeing and consuming your content. So, really, when I work with clients, it goes right from where they want to show up online, so which platforms they actually want to be on, and this is going to involve really understanding who their audience is and working with them on what their niche is, what their specialism is and how you know how they want to be creating content so you're really going to marry up where your client your potential clients are kind of hanging out online you know are they on most likely to be on instagram are they over on facebook are they professionals on linkedin so it's marrying that with the platforms that that align best with you and and your values and the type of content that you want to create as well because obviously there's absolutely no point in picking. TikTok as your, your social media platform if you, you know, haven't even done any videos before and you're terrified of, of getting on video and you really don't want to do it because ultimately that's going to make the job of creating content a stressor, which is what you don't yeah. want. You want it to be a natural extension of you and your brand and your business. Um, so it's really about matching, you know, where your yeah. audience is with where you
0: feel most comfortable um, and the type of content that you want to create. And, and then that's, it's really, I just say that's, that's really important because we, well, I know in my experience, I thought about social media as where I should post rather than mm-hmm. where I was most confident and doing something yes. that's most confident means that you're likely to do it for longer as well. So. Exactly. Exactly. And that's not to say,
1: don't push yourself. I'm all for, you mm. know, giving yourself that, that bit of a push. And obviously you do need to be showing up where your audience actually is. So there's no point, you know, sort of hiding yourself away on LinkedIn, if you are actually trying to reach a young, you know, sort of non-professional audience, for example, because they're just really unlikely to be there. But it is a case of, you know, I always recommend picking one or two platforms, two ideally, um, so that you've got one and a snare, just in case, you know, your main platform goes down for any reason. As it does happen sometimes. So I typically say Facebook because people expect to find you there. It's like the modern day yellow pages. Have your profile there, even if it's not going to be your primary one. And then pick one other platform to be your your primary platform. And then take that time, you know, to get really comfortable in that space. Use all of the features. Make sure everything's completed and filled in on that profile before you start thinking about any other platforms. Yeah. Because otherwise you risk spreading yourself too thin. And as soon as it starts to feel like a whole extra job, that's when we get overwhelmed. That's when it ends up at the bottom of the to-do list. That's when we start feeling burnout and resentment. And obviously that's, that's such an unhealthy cycle to get into. And by taking it that way, by taking it that one step at a time, there's nothing to say that you can't end up eventually on all the platforms. If you want to be, if your audience is everywhere, that's absolutely fine. But by starting small you reduce the risk of getting yourself into a hustle and burnout sort of cycle. And by that, I mean, um, and I was talking to to one of my clients about this the other day, actually, where she said, I feel like I'm either sort of all go, you know, and I'm hustle, hustle, and I'm showing up and things are really getting done and I'm motivated and energized that then she reaches this wall where she's just put in so much of herself over the last, say, four weeks that then she feels burnt out and then she can't show up. She physically and mentally can't show up for the next however long. And obviously that's a really unhealthy and frustrating cycle to get stuck into. Um, And Mm. that's something that can happen if you try to take on too much when it comes to social media specifically. So yeah, those one or two platforms really are a
0: must. And do you recommend using a VA for social media eventually?
1: Yeah, I mean, getting help with the things that, that maybe you feel like you don't have the time or the energy for, it can really make a difference. Um, and I know that that when, especially when we're starting out in business or perhaps, you know, a lot of therapists run a private practice alongside employment. So, you know, it can be quite, quite a small business in, in the beginning. But once you get to a point where you can get help for something... It's such an investment. It's an investment that's really worthwhile to take something off your plate so that you can focus on the things that only you can do in your business. Yes. The things that are really going to help to move the needle for you is, is a game changer, really. And and this is something that I learned along the way, you know, in the, in the very early days of my business. Obviously, I didn't have a huge amount of income. But what little I did have, I kind of resented even spending it on the necessities, the real necessities in my business, because I thought, you know, I really need to kind of bootstrap this. But once I did start, you know, investing in things that that save me time, that that improved my processes, that that take some of the busy work away from me, that that really lifts some weight off my shoulders, it was you know, it really opened my eyes. And now I'm the type of person that if some, you know, if I can outsource something or get a new tool or something like that, that's that's going to have an impact, I jump at the chance because it really frees me up to work, you know, on my business as opposed to just always working in it and doing all of that busy work. So certainly don't, you know, overstretch your finances Um, you know you don't have to pay for monthly support you know and sort of stretch yourself that way it could be a case of just getting on a power hour or a consultation with someone like myself to just give you the the guidance you know so that you're not bogged down in decision making or in googling everything so that you have that sort of clear plan of action because that can make a huge difference as well. And then as you build and as you, you know, sort of increase your your income and you've got that little bit that you can invest, it's such a positive area to invest in. Because marketing is so, so important. You know, even if someone finds you by your website or word of mouth, the chances are they're still going to have a look for you elsewhere online. They're still going to, sh- you know, try and find out who you are as a person, as a therapist, as a business owner. So having that social media presence is still going to have a positive impact, even if your clients are coming from sort of word of mouth referrals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Touching on the, the financial, it seems to be increasingly a, a kind of blocker for entrepreneurs at the moment. You know, it's something in the, in the groups that I'm in, it's something that is constantly coming up their mindset around money. Do you yeah. find that as an issue? Yes, absolutely. It's it's one of the biggest, the biggest sort of mindset mm. issues
1: that I come across. And as I said, I had my own sort of issues with it in the past. And I think many of us are coming from a place of employment. So we think in terms of the money I receive is my spending money. That's my personal money. We see it as like a salary. But when it comes to running your own business, you've got obviously the the income that you're receiving. You've got your expenses. You've got room for investment. So it's really differentiating yourself from that employee mindset and stepping into the the business owner mindset, which does take time. And I I really feel like it's something that in a way we kind of you know I could I could shout about it until the, the cows come home. Please don't think of it this way. But ultimately, we kind of all have to to make our own way there of, of yeah. getting to that that state but really once you start thinking about yourself as an employee and start thinking about yourself as an entrepreneur as a business owner as having this amazing opportunity and this power to be able to invest and grow your business you know and not be working for someone else and and you know just increasing their pay packet over time that you can do that for yourself that's you know, it, it's such a
0: transformation. And sales, is that often, you know, asking for the sale, asking for mm. the the money, asking, you know, pricing your products and services, does that become an issue as well? Absolutely. It absolutely does. And I think no more so than, than
1: in the mental health space. I think there's a really damaging and negative um, sort of idea that, therapists need to be in it just to help and that they they don't deserve to also be able to earn a living that lets them you know live comfortably or or have aspirations and it's such a funny one isn't it because we don't expect doctors to work for free we don't expect you know our postman to work for free or you know the taxi driver but for some reason when it comes to mental health and and self-care and well-being we you know society has this notion that you know, if you're a good person, and obviously you're a good person because you're a therapist, you shouldn't be making money from it. And that's just such nonsense. Because in order to be a good therapist, in order to be able to show up and provide that support and, and, you know, show up as the best version of yourself, you need to be able to be comfortable. You know, you that's- need to be able to grow your business, to invest in your business, to, to live the life that you, that you want and deserves to live so that's that's something that I've come up with you know come up against a lot this idea that therapists shouldn't be in it for the money as though you know as as though it's not a standard
0: um job for some reason yeah yes and for the therapists themselves do they ever struggle to price because well because of that and because of their own feelings about work they do yes
1: yeah absolutely I mean pricing. It's not. It's not an area that I work with with clients directly, mm-hmm. other than kind of being their cheerleader. You know, if I notice yeah. that they're sort of really undervaluing themselves, I will, you know, give them a little nudge and say, you know, mm-hmm. this this is worth so much more. But yes, I do see it, and I'm trying to sort of um, discount their services or or offer things for free when really they they absolutely
0: don't need to and shouldn't feel like they they have to yeah yeah just as a aside as a coach one of the things I find is that if you have a higher price offer the person that shows up to invest in that is already at a different level of commitment to themselves Mm -hmm. before they even start because they're investing that amount so sometimes the the price can be an indicator of the the readiness for the work as well so absolutely
1: yes yes so and this is something i found in in my own business in the early days when i was charging a silly silly fees for for doing all of the things I would be having, you know, discovery calls with clients who were really quibbling on, on price, like, oh, I would expect you to do this worth £60 a month, for example. And yes. I would have needed so many clients yes. to be able to make any sort of living on on the sort of price point that I was going in at. But the, hmm. when you start to charge that a little bit more, when you see the the worth and the value in the services and products that you're offering, you start to attract a different type of person and that's not to say obviously therapists can't have sliding scales and and sort of work with charities and and do things like that but when it comes to your standard fees or the the price points of products or other services that you're offering increasing it just that little bit the point where you start going oh is this a little bit too much I feel a little bit uncomfortable with this price point has such a big impact on the type of people who show up to take advantage of it Because they're the types of people who see it as a necessity, who see it as an investment. They're not the type of people who are looking for the very cheapest option out there. You're not then competing on price because there's always going to be someone who's cheaper. Always, you know, no matter what you do, no matter what industry you're in. I know that there are, you know, companies out there offering full social media management for £40 a month. I couldn't undercut them you know so I and I I, like it's just not possible so there's no point trying to compete on price but there is there is reason to put the prices up that little bit so that people see you as an option that is that's going to give them what they're hoping hoping for and expecting because when you price yourself that bit too cheap people go oh why is it so cheap why is it so affordable so stretching yourself that little bit just pulls in a whole different class of,
0: of clients to work
1: with
0: and pricing you yourself as you, as you say when you're comparing to sort of the bigger organizations who can yeah. undercut with 40 pounds it's having the confidence to recognize that people will work with you because they want that personal service they want that extra high touch contact that's going to give them you know you're going to question them more because you know them as that that knowledge of the client as well, that maybe the the larger organizations can't provide for that, for that. Price. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And, and obviously most private practice owners, they are solo business owners, you know, it's just us and what we yeah. offer is so different to what the agencies can offer. We offer that real one-to-one, you know, we're the ones showing up to our clients. We're the ones sort of um, putting in that work. So it really speaks to quality, and it really speaks to your values as well. So, so yeah, that huge tip: never try to compete on price because there's always <laughs> someone cheaper. <laughs> and that what what you're bringing is yourself,
0: and that is that is what people are paying that that sort of premium for. And also remember, there's always someone more expensive as well.
1: well there is. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> always, always, you know, sometimes and, and I still do this occasionally. I think, you know, as, as much as I talk about trying not to compare ourselves to others, we will all do it occasionally, especially when you have to be aware of what else is available out there. You have to see what else is going on in the, in the world and in your industry and your niche. I sometimes see um, social media managers charging, you know, oh, my prices start from a thousand pound a month you know so if you go to my website and say my prices for full social media management start from 500 and then when I see other social media managers charging double I get that oh you know (laughs) why why am I not at that space yet where I'm charging you know sort of Hmm. that height? but then I have to remember that the people that come to me that is the right you know, I'm the right fit for them. So it all comes together. They're the right client. I'm the right social media manager. The price point is right. But, you know, we should always take heart from that as well. It just goes to show that there is uh, there's somewhere to go to. You know, you can, uh, you can reach those sort of bigger bigger heights. But, yeah, as you say, there's always someone charging more. So if someone were to compare that to me, they may well go, oh, actually, that's, that's more in line with, with what is feasible for me to invest in my business at the moment. So let's work with, with Chalantha.
0: Excellent. Thinking about social media and social media management, are there any specific trends? Is it changing or are the fundamentals still uh, consistent?
1: The fundamentals in all marketing is always going to be pretty consistent. And that is that really you are always going to be thinking about that person you want to talk to. So that ideal client that you're talking to and really understanding your audience, understanding what they need to hear, how they need to hear it. And that sort of journey, especially in the therapy space where there's a long consideration period, really thinking about that whole journey that that potential client is going through. So the foundations are always exactly the same. And while trends may come and go, you know, the best methods of getting a message across or the best methods of getting content pushed to a wider audience, they might change. And so you can test those and tweak those. But ultimately, the, the trends aren't going to make or break the business. It's really understanding who your audience is and how they need you to communicate with them um, that's going to make the difference in the short term trends are fantastic you know you can hop on a trend yeah. and it, and it gives you some some great reach or lots of dms or or whatever it might be and that's brilliant but with all the trends in the world if you don't have that foundation of really understanding your audience the trends will fall flat or they're not going to actually you know you might get loads of likes that they're not actually going to sort of translate into helping you reach any of your business goals because likes are easy right you know you're just scrolling through a like is really easy it doesn't take much to sort of double tap the screen it's encouraging people to take those bigger steps with you leaving that comment sending you that dm clicking through to your website is is what you what you really need to be focusing on
0: yeah and trends can be such a distraction if you're learning social media and you're unaware of how important the foundations are, you can get caught up in the next shiny thing. Yes, absolutely. And you can also
1: get caught up because there are there are so many influencers, supposed social media gurus and experts that will tell you literally, you know, conflicting information. So one Mm. will say, you have to post this many times, for example, the other one will say, no, you have to post this many times and it's only by understanding your audience that you find out what works for you and your business and for your audience so so that's another big another big part of it there's so much possible information out there and it's so easy to get really caught in that rabbit hole of trying to decipher which information is is what you should go with trying to jump on absolutely everything that you kind of lose yourself in the mix Whereas really, if you just focus always on those small steps towards your actual goals, not just getting some likes or going viral or, or whatever people think success is on social media, real success is using social media to help you reach your, your business goals.
0: And going from the, the call to action to getting people to your website, mm. email, Marketing, do you touch on that at all with your clients? Um, what's your thoughts and feelings around building your email list?
1: Yes. So, social media is a fantastic tool, um, and that's exactly what it is in your kind of marketing arsenal. Ideally, what you want to be using social media for when you're a therapist, obviously, it's not not the same if you're sort of e-com or or something like that but social media as a therapist is taking people on that journey of of getting through to your website or your booking link or or whatever it might be Um, and that can be the same for your email list as well ultimately you want to create a more and more defined audience and email marketing is one of the absolute best forms of marketing because the people who are on your email list that you can get there from social media they are the people that have already given you a commitment you know they're saying i'm so interested in what you have to say that i am happy for you to show up in my inbox and they are so much more likely to see the messages that you send them when it's coming through as an email than when you're just posting you know on your social media. So an email list is like gold dust and it's also a space that you that is yours that you own your email list is yours whereas when you're relying purely on social media like I said if um, Instagram goes down one day you've lost all you know all contact with those that audience for however long that's down if for some reason you fall foul or Facebook has a glitch and And they say your accounts suspended, you know, you lose your ability to talk to your audience and communicate to them. So if you work on getting people onto your mailing list, that is a space that you own, that, you know, you will really stand out. There's so much less competition in someone's inbox than there is on their social feed. So that's the space Mm -hmm. that you can really build those relationships, nurture those deeper connections, build that trust show up in, in a, a fuller way for those people. And then ultimately when it comes to them deciding they want to work with a therapist, they, you know, you are really top of mind because you're in their inbox. Or if you launch a workshop or a masterclass or a or a course or whatever it might be, they've built so much trust with you through that, you know, through you emailing them regularly that, you know, you'll have much more success than just doing it. Obviously, both parts are really important, but then just doing it on social media. So it really works together. And one of the easiest ways of getting people on your mailing list, you know, I see a lot of people just saying, Oh, join my mailing list and I'll send you a newsletter. Well, people don't want, you know, although your newsletter might be really valuable and might be really helpful and interesting, people really don't want to sign up for another newsletter. Um, So the key is to offer them something in return. And this is what's called a lead magnet or a freebie. It's something that you can provide them for free. It's usually a download, you know, a PDF of some sort. It might be a workbook or a quiz or tips or, you know, some sort of information that's going to give them a quick win to a pain point or a challenge that, that you know they're experiencing. So that it's really valuable to them, but that isn't too sort of time intensive or difficult to provide for you um and then by you know by exchanging their email address they get the download and it's a win-win situation because they've got
0: you know that that quick thing to action and you've got um, a new mailing list subscriber brilliant brilliant i just want to um because we've mentioned it a couple of times about you know what happens if a social media site goes down and i just want to give an example because when i first started out i when Google plus launched, I decided, you know, techie backgrounds, perfect audience. That was going to be where I built my list. And I built, I think I had 40,000 followers and then they took it down. Wow. Yeah. And I hadn't added them to my email list. So, you know, it, it It does happen. And that's not so long ago. So yeah. And that was Google. So you kind of think that that wasn't going to happen, but it can. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And, and obviously social media, such a valuable tool for being visible, for being discoverable, for, uh, you know, for, for helping clients to potential clients to really see you and sort of build that know, like, and trust with your audience. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's not a space that you own. So it's important a part of your marketing it is, the goal really needs to be getting, you know, fun. If we think of this marketing funnel, then they're starting at the top of that funnel with your social media marketing. And they're working through um, and getting them on your mailing list means that if something happens to your account, Or to the actual platform itself, you're not going to have to start from scratch again because obviously that's such an awful feeling. And okay, if I lost my Instagram account tomorrow, would I be gutted? Yes, really, really gutted. (laughs) But I know that I've got the other place, you know, the other spaces online. I've got my websites, I've got my email marketing list, I have other social media platforms. So I'm not putting all of my eggs into one basket and that's why you know all of these parts of as marketing are so mm. important but yeah i would i would have a little cry if i lost my instagram because i do love my instagram but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the end of the business
0: <laughs> yes yeah If just because you you mentioned goals earlier is that something you work with when you first work with a client get re- get them really clear on their goals yes Yes, absolutely. It's it's really essential because the whole part of mar- the whole point of
1: marketing is to help you, you know, in your business in some way. So it might be that you just need to build that that brand awareness so that when people are looking for a therapist, if they they search for, you know, hypnotherapist in Plymouth, which is where I live, for example, that you are going to show up, you know, because if they yeah. see that so they're not going to go digging to find you if you're not there then you know, they're going to go to another hypnotherapist in mm. Plymouth. So when it comes to your online presence, having your goals in mind, you really work backwards from there. So what is it that you actually want to achieve? What's your goal? What's your objective? And then what are the steps you can take to get there? And not having goals actually is one of the, the, the main reasons that I think a lot of business owners get a bit down about social media because they feel like I'm putting in so much effort you know I'm I'm churning out (laughs) exactly I'm churning out content every day I'm posting on five platforms I'm doing this and that and the other and they're not really feeling like it's getting them anywhere Um, they feel like oh this is something I should be doing so I'm doing it but you know I'm not really seeing any positive Mm -hmm. impact I'm just feeling a bit exhausted and burnt out from it all whereas if you think it's about the quality. And and knowing what quality is comes from understanding what your what your goals are in your business. And that allows you to go from a place of, as you say, spray and pray to being really, you know, conscious about what you're doing and really purposeful and, and intentional with your content. And just that little switch, just understanding what your goals are. And when you're creating a piece of content, thinking, oh, how is this going to help me towards my goal?
0: Um, Yeah. So, so important to work backwards from your goals. And do you create content pillars from goals so that, because I I know, you know, I've done the spray and pray (laughs) and actually having the content pillars can really rein you in as well. So do you do that? Absolutely.
1: Yes. So I use, I use various things. There's there's really a a few layers that I work with. So obviously you've got your content pillars and, and I tend to recommend between three and five sort of content pillars. And these are things that you want to be known for talking about on social media. So these are the things that are kind of going to position you as the person who knows what they're talking about, who is appealing to these specific people with these specific um sort of interests or pain points or whatever it might be. So for example, for me, it might be that I'm sharing social media tips. It might be that I'm sharing Uh, You know what's new in social media. What the new, you know, those all those things that I might be known for for talking about. And for a therapist, it might be that you are talking about anxiety. You know, tips for dealing with anxiety, education around anxiety. What is anxiety? How you know you we're we're experiencing it. But what are the actual effects? What is the body and the mind going through? So that educational side of things. Then you might have a, a pillar around therapy for anxiety so how does therapy help how does your particular approach work so that all of those pillars really work together to create a cohesive um, sort of feed so when someone finds you and when they follow you they know exactly what they're going to get by following you and they're much more likely to remain a follower because you're continuing to talk about the things that they care about whereas if you're here there and everywhere it can be really difficult to come up with content ideas because you literally have every idea you could every, ever think of and every topic. Whereas if you're keeping yourself um, focused with three to, four, uh, three to five sort of main topics that you want to talk about, then that keeps things cohesive. It, it makes it a lot easier to brainstorm content, create content. But then underneath this, so, so the content pillars to me are just, you know, the, the topics And they can change over time, you know, if Mm -hmm. if you need to. They're not set in stone. But then you have how you want people to engage with that content. That's really going to come down to what your business goals are. So, for example, if you are wanting to get people onto your email list, if that's one of your goals, you know, build my email list by a thousand subscribers in the next year or whatever it might be. You need to think, right, how is this content Helping me work towards that goal, and that's when you set a specific goal for that piece of content. So, for example, yeah. if you're trying to build your email list, there's no point putting out content where literally all you're asking people to do is give you a like, because yeah. that's not going to grow your email list. You need to say, right, I'm trying to grow my email list. I'm going to put out this valuable bit of information, or this education, or this funny meme, or or whatever it might be. But then the call to action will be, join my, you know join my mailing list to get this or download this free um, resource or whatever it might be. So that's the layer that's underneath thinking about, you know, yeah. so any piece of content can work in any way, really. It's the call to action that makes it sort of align with
0: your, with your overall business goal. Brilliant. Brilliant. If you had three tips to give someone who is starting out as an entrepreneur today, online yeah. as a therapist what would those three tips be? oh that's a very good question
1: <laughs> that's a very good question so i think the first the first thing for me uh the first tip i would give is to really take the time to understand your ideal audience who is your ideal client who do you want to work with a lot of therapists that i speak to you know they're they might be generalists or they might say well i'm i'm happy to work with anyone therefore my audience is everyone, but in marketing, that can really hold you back because if you try to talk to everyone, that content's not really going to resonate with people. It's going to be, you know, a little bit bland, a little bit sort of non-script. So really figuring out who you want to work with. It doesn't preclude you from working with anyone else. I'm a social media manager for therapists. I work with software companies, web developers. I've worked with authors, you know, writers. all all of that it's not stopped them from working with me but by knowing who my ideal audience is and really making sure that all of my content is speaking to them has helped me to establish a successful business um in my area so that's the first the first piece of advice the second piece of advice I think is to not try and and do it all all of the time and that will come down to having that self-awareness and and really checking in with yourself and how you're feeling, intentionally not spreading yourself too thin, committing to showing up, but not over-committing. So, for example, you know, just because you've heard someone say you need to post every single day, yes, that might be the optimum. That might help you to reach your goal, you know, in X amount of time. But if realistically all you can do all you can physically or mentally do is post twice a week, commit to that and do that because it's much better to show up, you know, twice a week, you know, for however long than it is to show up every day for a month and then burn yourself out and sort of ghost your audience for the next six months because it's just become too, too overwhelming. Um, and then I think really put in that time to do that sort of inner work and work on yourself and your own mindset. You know whether it's around really figuring out your authentic self and and who you are, or whether it's working on what what your actual voice is, whether it's working on that money mindset, investing in yourself. It, the rewards you'll get from it are you know are sort of tenfold really. It's so worthwhile. So yeah, I would say those are my those are my top tips. Um but there are there are plenty more. <laughs> I could <laughs> say so much.
0: <laughs> and the, the the final question, because this is the the choosing happy podcast, do you think yeah. you found your happy place and in, in your work and in your life? I do. I I
1: really do. I think I find a space where I really feel like I'm making a positive um difference. I feel like it's aligned with, you know, my skill set but also what I'm passionate in. And I love working with the clients and and getting that feedback that they feel better about themselves. They feel excited again or they feel empowered again or they're just less confused or they're less stressed. That really lights me up. So being a business owner is tough. You know, you you are going to have ups and downs but ultimately I've found a contentment and a happiness that I could have never found working in another industry or working for someone else I think this this is sort of everything has kind
0: of led to this now so I've definitely found my happy oh brilliant thank you and how do people get in contact with you uh, what's your social media what's your website
1: yes so my website is koalava.com Or they can email me, hello at koala.va.com. My main platforms where you'll be able to find me sort of showing up daily are on LinkedIn. You can find me and also over on Instagram as well, koala.va. And I also have a Facebook group as well. So the Social Media Made Simple for Therapists Facebook group. So if you type that into Facebook, give it a search. um, You can come and join the group where I offer extra support. And I've got some workshops coming up in 2024 um, and some, some sort of free masterclasses as well. So that's a great space to join if you're just looking to
0: learn um, some more and get some extra support with social media. Thank you. I'll put all of that in the show notes as well if people want Lovely. to go to the website for that. So thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely a joy and fascinating and really helpful. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's been been so lovely chatting with you. Um, And yeah, a wonderful experience. Thank you. Good, good. Well, bye for now. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it or think it would be valuable to others, please do share. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave me a review. It really helps the podcast. All of the links are in the show notes. And I look forward to seeing you next week on the Choosing Happy podcast.